This is the Main Attraction Podcast. Now here are your hosts, Justin Strawn and Ryan Nelson. Welcome to the Main Attraction Podcast, where we discuss the biggest television shows and movies in the entertainment industry. I am your host, Justin Strawn. Joining me each week is the other host of the show. He's not on the run from a mob boss. He's just excited to do a podcast. That's Ryan Nelson. Justin, I got to agree with Cliff Legrand and Blues Traveler. It's the hook that brings you back. It is. I, I, you know, I, I didn't. I couldn't figure out. You know, when he was singing those lyrics, like it sounds familiar. It sounds familiar. Oh, I think it's Blues oh, Traveler. I love I Mitchell Blues Traveler. Really, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> and come to find out, Benjamin Bratt, not a fan of the song. Oh, is he really? I did not know and that. He fooled us because he was fantastic. Yeah, he was. He was absolutely fantastic. I love Blues Traveler. I hate the fact that it didn't last very long. So. But anyway, if you've been listening to the podcast since we started the podcast last year, thank you for continuing to listen and make us a part of your day. If you're new to the show, we hope you enjoyed as we talk about the entire first season of Poker Face on Paramount+. Plus. If you are new or regular and would like more access to the show, visit our Patreon page and become a patron of the Main Attraction Podcast. Go to patreon.com slash the main attraction podcast and you can get Patreon only content. You can support us at a $3, 5 10 or $20 level. And when you join up, we'll shout you out here on the show. If you want ad-free access to the podcast, any level of being a Patreon supporter will get you the show ad-free. You can sign up for as low as the $3 level. That will get you the show ad-free. You can go as high as the $20 level. That will get you the show ad-free. does not matter which level you sign up for. Uh, whenever you become a Patreon supporter, you can get the show ad-free on the Patreon app. If you can't be a patron, though, you can help the show out by rating us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can leave us a five-star rating, and if you have time, you can write us a review while you're on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to interact with the show, we would love for you to do so. You can send us an email at mainattractionpod at gmail.com. Uh, any thoughts, any questions, any comments you might have about the show, any things that you like might want us to cover, just any feedback that you would like to give us in general, we would love to hear those. So just go to your email and send us an email at mainattractionpod at gmail.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so we are covering, I said the entire first season, it's not the entire first season, it's the fifth through tenth episode. It's basically what we didn't cover earlier. We covered the first four episodes when they dropped back at the end of January of Poker Face, and we are picking up, now that the season has come to an end, we're not doing a Patreon this week, so uh, you guys, we uh, will be going back to our Patreons next week when we get back to our regular recording, but we wanted to work in Poker Face. It's a... At least in my opinion, it's a really fun show. It was one of it's. It's going to be in contention for uh, best shows of twenty twenty three when we get to the end of the year. I'm just real quick. Your thoughts over the first season of this? Incredible show. One. Let me state: Blues Traveler is still around and still touring. Oh, are they, oh, yeah, are they really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Still together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, just want to put that out there. Still coming to a city near you. Look them up. Uh, I love the show. I, I'm with you. It was fun. I have IMDb open. I just want to talk about how lucky we were. In this season, we had Benjamin Bratt, Hong mm-hmm. Chow, Oscar nominee, yeah. Nick Nolte, Adrian Brody, Ellen Barkin, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Judith Light, Lil Rel Howery, Tim Blake Nelson, yeah. Oscar nominee Stephanie Sue. Mm-hmm. This show was awesome. It was. This is, we talk about peak 
dad TV, this show needs to be thrown in there too. Oh this yeah, this is some dad TV. Yeah, it really is. It, it's definitely some dad TV, and it, it look. It, it got clearer and clearer as this show went on. Uh, it, it deviated a little bit the ninth and tenth episode, but as the mm-hmm. show kept going and going and going, it got very, got very clear that they were paying serious homage to Columbo. Uh, I mean, yeah. if you've never seen Columbo, I would highly recommend going and watching at least a few episodes of it because it is it, it's a good show. I mean, it's very dated and I mean everything that they right. do on it. But nevertheless, I mean Natasha Leone, the way that she speaks, the raspy voice that she has, it's very yeah. it's very similar to the way Peter Falk talked and when he was doing uh columbo just actually just him in general i would say also murder she wrote i thought the 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 episode in the hotel and the episode with the play being done with ellen barker and tim meadows that was similar to murder she wrote yeah that had a murder she wrote yeah it did and what's interesting about murder she wrote is they they always kind of had this kind of like tongue-in-cheek joke about because i never watched murder she wrote i was not i I never have seen a a single solid episode of it but i do know that one of the things they did is they kind of had this tongue-in-cheek joke that there was all these murders that was constantly happening yeah yeah. and she lived in like this tiny little town of maine (laughs) so like they were really like a sweet british lady yeah that uh, Everywhere she's around, murder follows. And Natasha Leone has the same thing going on. Yeah, or I should say Charlie Kale. Yeah, Charlie Kale. She has the same thing going on for her. So, uh, we, if you don't remember, we were both very high on the show after the first four episodes of it. Uh, it picks up, we're just going to kind of go episode by episode here for a little bit. And just kind of give our thoughts on it. The fifth episode was, it was a standout episode, to say the least. It was called yes. Time of the Monkey. Uh, this one had Judith Light and what is the other lady's name? Yes, Epitha Markerson. Yeah, I'm not sure if we're pronouncing that right, but we'll go with that. Uh, they were the kind of the two main people that were the, the big guest stars. But the premise of this one was basically that these two ladies in this in this uh, retirement or nursing home, they uh, have they come across this guy and we don't really know who he is but they have to kill him and they end up killing him we don't really understand why until we get to the end of it but they kill him and it turns out these are former like terrorists uh, yeah, yeah. and like charlie doesn't realize this like she thinks they're these really cool fun and that's kind of what's neat about this episode because they present these right. two ladies as really fun really kind of kooky but as you they kind of peel away a little bit more a little bit more of, of the backstory on both of these ladies you find out oh these these are actually quite horrible people. Uh, yeah, I like how too. Like you, you, Charlie like looks at them like, oh, these are the cool people out right. there. You know, they're fun. They're you know they buck the system. Well, come to find out, that's because they're terrorists. Right, because they're terrorists. That's why they buck the system. So they end up spending like twenty five years in jail because uh, the character who's played by Reed, Reed Bernie, uh, who plays Ben in this, and also was Judith Light's husband in uh, the Thank menu. You. He is the one who is responsible for having them put in jail because he basically rats them out. Now, what's also interesting is the character I did not expect to get much from in this season, Simon Helberg's character, Luca. Uh, He ends up actually playing a significant role, especially at the end. Uh, I had a feeling we were going to see him again. Just because he was the FBI person. Right. Uh, Yeah. And I think they're setting him up for a bigger part moving forward. I think they are, too. I think we'll see quite a bit of him. Almost a little romance. Yeah, a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because they kind of intended that at the end of the the season finale. It kind of felt that way. 
But, I think I think five may have been my favorite episode. Yeah, it's it's running in there. I'm not sure if it's my favorite, but it was definitely one of my favorites. Like I said, I'm not sure yeah. if it's if it is. I'm, I'm I'm still kind of working through that as we get yeah. through this. But uh, uh, but like I said, the fact that he is the he is the FBI agent that comes around that that she ends up kind of reporting these two to. Like I said, it, and then he comes at, and then he comes back and plays a, a much more important part as the season goes on, and that's yeah. what they even kind of talk about. This is that the reason why that he is that he it, he's not much of anything. He's just kind of a, a babysitter when we first right. meet him, but now that he is, but because of the fact that she lets him know that these two ladies are there and that they are trying to kill these people and that uh, they are going to kill her if she doesn't watch it. Like I said, he ends up getting a promotion of it. Uh, he also yeah. got a promotion because of the fact that he found the the email to FBI at FBI.gov. Uh, so, <laughs> like I said, lots of really cool things that were going on uh, in this one with these two uh, with these two ladies. Uh, I, and one of the things that I think is very interesting. There's almost always this this moment, and I was kind of annoyed by this in the fifth episode, but it, it became one of those things where it's like there's going to be a couple of things where we're just going to do something so outrageous. We just want you to roll with it. And the mm-hmm. moment they do that is with when Judith light is climbing up that trellis. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> uh, like I said, that's just, she'd kinda... been in a wheelchair. Let's picture that. She yeah. was in a wheelchair. And yeah. l- they do try to like show that she can do this. Cause they show her doing like pushups earlier right, in the episode. Right. Like, okay, well she is trying to like, make herself stronger but that's one of the things about this show is there's always going to be something that is just you have yeah. to suspend some belief some right, right. you have to uh, you know have to spend your uh, belief in just reality for a little bit and just kind of roll with this i mean that's kind of what you have to do with with charlie kale in general just because she yeah, has this the whole show yeah the whole really. show is that way but and but it's still really <laughs> It's done really, really well, and it's done really. It's a really smart show. And this this episode, just seeing Judith Light and Esapatha Murkerson, the way they are just cussing a blue streak up and down, and it just makes for just incredibly great TV. I mean, something about really old ladies cussing a blue streak is just something. I don't know what it is. I, I laughed. Uh, We're going to see both of them later on in my categories. I can tell you that. Yeah. Yeah, I think we definitely will too. So uh, they will definitely show back up in mind. But like I said, this was after the first four, when they dropped the first four together, this was a nice episode to kind of get things going. Because in my opinion, the next two were, they were good, but they were still a little bit lower than uh, some of the previous, some of the other ones in in the season. So let's talk about those real quick. So the next one is Exit Stage Death. Uh, Exit Stage Death. This one and the one that follows it, I thought the setups were as good as any of them in the episode. Maybe maybe even been the best, but paying off everything after the setup, I thought was where these two shows, these two episodes struggled. Yeah, I, I thought I thought Exit Stage Death got a little slow towards, like you said, after the setup. But the fighting between Ellen Barkin and Ted Meadows to right. start the episode was just just hilarious. Yes. And also the seventies the cop show, what was it? Spooky and the cop? Spooky and I can't remember what it was, but Spooky and something. I mean, it, but yeah. was, it was it was like it, it, it looked like what a bad seventies T V show oh, yeah. would have like. I, I I thought that was funny. It was like like you said afterwards when uh Jamil Jamila it's murdered it kind of slowed down a little bit right one of the things i liked about the setup of this because the two like you said ellen bark and tim meadows who play kathleen and michael in this particular episode 
what they're doing in this episode, what I thought worked so very, very well, is the way that they are fighting, the way that they are constantly going at each other, you don't know who's going to get killed. You figure right, one of right. them is about to get killed, and yeah. you're just kind of waiting for it. And then when you see Jamila Jamil's character, Ava, ends up being the one that gets killed, and you can, it looks like they're both trying to set each other up to die. You, I, I was thinking, oh, well, they're now going to have to kind of like work in cahoots to like say, oh, it was their fault, or they're going to try to like mm-hmm. blame it on the other. But then when they like have that kiss, like, oh, they were working on this the entire time. I was yeah. like, that's a great setup. And then it's like you said a second ago, after she dies, everything, it it just doesn't work nearly as well. It's just kind of right. slow, kind of boring. And it's a little Charlie's cliched. part of it. Yeah, Charlie's part of it seemed like, it, this was another one where you're like, eh, I guess, I guess, you know, how she gets brought into everything. Right. You know, I, that one. Uh, I thought Ellen Barkin really did a good job because it looked like she was going to be the villain herself. Right, she did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it looked like, oh, poor Tim Meadows, she's so mean to him. And then, like you said, there's these little sprinklers. Oh, God, Tim Meadows is just as bad as yeah. <laughs> she's just, He's just as bad as her. So, And you don't realize it until they like kind of reveal yeah. all this. And yeah. it's, like I said, I mean, it's, it's not a bad episode by any stretch of the imagination, no. but it's not just when you compare it to everything else that is every other episode in this show for the most part it doesn't hold up quite as well in my opinion this is still where this show excels you have tim meadows Um, who's married to jamil jamila jamil and you know she's they're fighting with ellen barkin right like how lucky are we exactly have a show like i would have never put those three together no i never would have either i mean and you get just a great mix of characters there and it it worked that part of it worked really really well like i said Mm -hmm. uh it's the the you know chasing fame thing that's like i said i I just wasn't real into that plot line because that's the reason why they get caught is because they want to kind of chase fame after this uh i will say this audrey corsa uh who's the person who like kind of is blackmailing the other two thought yeah. she did pretty well this is the she person did. that charlie ends up trying to save because she's getting ready to eat i guess some type of nuts in the uh right. in the in the checks mix or whatever it is that she's supposed to be eating on stage uh i thought she was actually pretty good i thought she was kind of a standout for somebody to go amongst all these other people that she is having right. to act with i thought she did a really good job well, of holding we her see own this, see this quite a bit There's, yeah we did. Uh, even some of the later episodes you see some people that really stand out and they're good some heavyweights yeah and that's one of the that's one of the credits to this show mm-hmm. um it ends with basically that's the only thing i, I really didn't know when this one ended did did Ellen Barker's character die when she went through the trap door? Were they like setting themselves up to like kill themselves or were they going to be uh, yeah, arrested? I thought, I thought they were killing themselves. That's what I thought too, but it wasn't real clear. But that's another, that's yeah. another reason I kind of, I was, I was kind of like dinging this episode just a little bit because I wasn't real sure exactly what they were doing with those characters at the end, if they were, if they were dead or if they were going to be arrested because they don't really come out and say it and it could have gone either way. So, uh, so let's go on to the next episode. Next episode is the future of the sport. Again, an incredible setup because yeah. when you're watching this, you assume that the character who is played by, and I always forget the guy's name, uh, Ch- uh, Charlie, uh, Charles, Charles Melton. Charles Melton. Yeah. You assume really that, good. Yeah, you assume that he's the one who has died in the crack right. because everything is way set up in is Tim Blake Nelson's uh, Tim Blake Nelson's character Kyle is basically trying to you know screw this guy over because he's the one who's threatening he's going to basically be the one to push him out of the sport 
and you assume that Charles Melton is the one that ends up dying because that's what they have set up. But they, of course, they leave just enough out. And we realize that the person who was actually in the car was his daughter, uh, which is... Katie. Yeah. Uh, what was her name? Yeah, Katie. Thank you. Katie Owens. Yeah. And like that's it was just a brilliant setup, in my, mm-hmm. in my opinion, about the way they do it. But then when you get into it... I, I like the episode more than I like the previous one. I just I didn't like yeah, it quite I, as much I, I as, the, yeah. as, the pre, as some of the other ones. What were your thoughts on this one? I, I thought the same thing. I liked this one. I liked it better than the previous one. I thought there were some really good episodes. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. This one it probably it's not as memorable, except for Tim Blake Nelson as a drag racing right. guy. I mean, could you get better casting? I know it's perfect casting for him. Then and Charles Melton, I see, is a young guy. I think he's in Riverdale. He's in Riverdale, those, right? Yeah, he like, was in Riverdale. Yeah. Okay. I, I know I recognize, I've seen him in something else, but like I thought he was really good. I thought uh, the girl as Katie, Jasmine Marvel, was really good. Yeah. But yeah, this one didn't have the stars. Well, I did. I don't. I guess Charles Melt actually is the star. I just he is. Right. Like, uh, it didn't have, like, so, what? It's missing something that some of the other episodes, like Star Power, besides right. those two. But like Tim Blake Nelson was was fantastic as always. Got, yeah, that's kind of one of my issues with it. I thought they just didn't use Tim Blake Nelson enough. He just wasn't in this yeah, one enough. When, I can see that when he when he was when I saw that he was going to be this in this episode, I was like, oh, I can't wait for this. This will be great. And he, yeah. after after basically we go through the introduction of everything that's going through this episode with him trying to set up where Charles Melton's characters will be in an accident. He didn't want he didn't want him to kill be killed. He just wanted him to get hurt. Uh, once he realizes, once that happens, you don't see much from him. This kind of takes over. Charles Melton's character kind of takes yeah. over. And what you look, he's good, uh, and he's going to be a star. That's kind yeah, of the, yeah. one of the reasons they're they're getting him is because they oh, yeah. they know that he is going to be a star. And also, this is a show that we talked about this a second ago. It's it's dad TV, so it kind of skews more towards people our age and older. Right. So you try to get in some of those younger people with a guy mm-hmm. like Charles Melton. Um, yeah. But one of the things I did like about this, Charlie reveals to Charles Melton's character Davis early on in this episode that she has this BS detector and that she always knows. And so he yeah. actively starts right. using that against her. I like her. that, too. I like that, too. And this is one of the things I did like about it, it yeah. is the fact that he realizes and he starts using it against her. And if it isn't for the fact that some child walks up to him and as she is walking away from as Charlie is walking away from Davis McDowell and she happens to overhear him say a lie to this child. She probably never finds out that this right, takes yeah. place. Charles Melton did a very good job of playing the underdog. The yes, whole he time. Did. Mm-hmm. Even when we knew he was guilty, he was still playing that poor me. I'm the poor kid. Right. Who's tr- you know, trying to do this. Like he's holding me back. He did such a good job. The one one complaint that I saw from this was because obviously you know no one dies in this one. The only person uh, somebody gets injured badly, but yeah, uh, he doesn't go to jail for this. And one of the complaints I heard was that you know he didn't really suffer much of a consequence. Just the fact that he gets the shakes and he's not going to be able to perform on the racetrack like he once could. That was kind of that's a serious. Yeah, I know. That's my thing. That ruined his dreams. It ruins his dreams, and that's that's kind of the one of the things I I liked about it was because I it goes too. it goes back to the very beginning, the very first episode when uh, what was uh, what's his name? The character at the beginning, Adrian Brody's character mm-hmm. says, "Hit him where it's it hurts." Something sterling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit him where it hurts. That's what he tells Charlie at the very beginning. 
and this is what she's doing she can't get there was no way without her coming forward and like putting herself in front of the authorities and we've they've established very well in this episode in this show you she can't do that so she is going to take away his future career because he's he's got a sponsorship finally his, his dreams are starting yeah. to come true and now all of a sudden those are about to come come all completely apart because of the fact that now she, he's got this doubt in his head and that's what's going to end up uh yeah. hurting him in the long run so uh anything else you want to say about this episode before we go into the next one uh shout out to jack alcott who played randy he uh played the young Dexter in the last. Oh, I'm sorry. He played Dexter's son okay. in the last season of Dexter, and uh, he's about to get his own Dexter series. So okay. you'll be seeing more from him. So I have a feeling that's why he was in this show. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if that was the case as well. So, uh, like I said, it's a good episode. I don't think it's quite as good as some of the other ones, but it's still. I think yeah. it's still a really good, solid episode. So mm-hmm. this episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. All right, so let's go on to the next episode, which is, I forget the name of it. All right, this is one of my favorite ones. Uh, I agree. The Orpheus Syndrome. So the interesting set, it's, you get this opening sequence, and this is the weirdest one of the, of the entire season, in my opinion, uh, just because you've got this macabre setting where you have this guy who is doing these, uh, what do they call it, maquettes? Is that what the word was? I or can, Yeah. I, I can't remember what it was, but... Uh, he basically does. He he is an old school visual effects guy, uh, and but the way that we're introduced in this in this particular episode, we got uh, Cherry Jones' character Laura, uh, who is basically running Tim Russ's character Max off of a building, and he ends up jumping, and we don't really know what's going on at this point. Yeah. Uh, and and what a vicious villain she is. Now let's go ahead and talk about this. So. The, the the people the company that they are running is something light uh imagination i can't remember exactly what it was but the the company is a dead like ringer for lucasfilms uh light and imagination yes. or whatever yeah 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 uh here so that's one thing we have going on so it's obviously supposed to be i can't remember what tim lucas's uh his visual effects uh lab was but that's supposed to be a stand-in for this cherry jones if you will go look up some some of like out like pictures of of kathleen kennedy who is now in charge of star wars she looks just like cherry jones's character in this and like this is Ryan Johnson, remember, who's doing this. This is, this is his middle finger? This is his middle finger, world? yes, because wow, to the Star I did Wars not world. Realize this. Yeah. Uh, there, there's even a couple of lines in there. If we'd done this week to week, I would have I remembered, but I, I didn't write them down. Wow. But yeah, so like she is basically a stand in for Kathleen Kennedy on this. And Ryan Johnson, everyone knows how 
much heat he got. And basically, Kathleen Kennedy has kind of thrown him under the bus a lot of times. Like, well, you know, that was his film. And that was what he wanted to do. And then they took the... Because he was supposed to do the third film. And, I was about to say, he was replaced. Yeah, he was supposed to do the third film. And then they replaced him back with um, the guy who did the first... Yeah, J, what was his name again? J.J. Abrams. Yeah, J.J. Abrams. They put him back in charge of the third one after uh, the fan reaction to The Last Jedi was so bad. And like I said, this is very much, it's like you said, this is very much his middle finger to oh, Star Wars. And God. obviously they're never going they to say that. They look a lot They look alike. Like I said, they never are going to say this. He's never going to say that or come out and say it. But when you look at the, when you look at how this kind of played out, it's it's very much the case. But um, wow. Uh, like I said, it, it was one of those things where if, if you're aware of this as you're watching it, you're like, this takes on an, a very meta feel to it when you're watching it yeah. uh, I like to just I love this episode for a lot of reasons and that's one that was kind of the start of it because I, I, when I saw the characters like well, she looks kind of familiar why does she look familiar and then I, was, I knew the, the actor was Jerry Jones yeah. and then when I see the company and like I said I don't remember exactly what the name of the company was I was like oh this is definitely supposed to be a dead record for Lucasfilm and I was like, oh, yeah, th this is Ryan Johnson. This is what he's doing right now. He is going well, after Kathleen Kennedy. I, 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 I did not know any of this. I, had, I didn't do any research on that episode. So I'm just, I'm in shock. And, like, this episode also starring Nick Dalty and Luis Guzman. Yep. So I'm always excited to see those two. But, wow, that is... <laughs> Good for Ron Johnson. <laughs> yeah, I, Wait, tell me about it. Did he direct this? One? No, he did not. This is actually this oh, one is actually directed. Yeah, Natasha yeah. Leone directs this one, and I thought it was a really great performance by her in terms of the director in the director uh, chair as well. So. I did. I did hear one thing. Natasha Leone was on the uh, Smartless podcast, the one that Jason Bateman and uh -huh. Will Arnett and Sean Hayes. She said Nolte went up to her and said, "I, I hear we're kind of kindred spirits." <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> you know she's had all kinds of drug issues, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like they like they bonded over you know being hellions in Hollywood. <laughs> I, I can see that. Uh, but what's great about this episode is the you know, like I said. So you have that stuff going on in the background, but you've got her wanting to. She's having to break into uh, Max's computer, who is her husband, and she needs to break into it. But he's got it. He's got it. Uh, he's got all these protections on it, and the only way that she can break it is through facial recognition. And his face is just so torn up that the, it won't work. So she wants Nick Nolte's character Arthur Lipton to create this. I think it's called a maquette. I think is what he, what they called it. Uh, it's basically you know it's it's a dummy is what it is, but uh, it's a very lifelike dummy is what. Uh, so she she he creates this maquette to use the, so she can get into the facial recognition. And she wants something deleted. When they first show the 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 footage of her deleting it, you can't really tell what is going on. You don't know what's being deleted. Mm -hmm. But when Charlie Kale meets up with Nick Nolte's character, and they start going through and they start talking about this, and she they go back in time, and we see the conversation that Cherry originally has with with Nick Nolte's character about creating this uh, maquette. Once they she has that conversation, she knows that. Trey Jones's character is lying, and she doesn't really know why. But uh, that's when things kind of start to spin, and this is when Nick Nolte starts to explain to him that they had this film, and there was this uh, actress who ends up dying in a tank because she was trying to set off the signal that things weren't okay. 
And we don't know what exactly how why it is that Terry Jones wants this to be done away with, but she wants the film she wants the film done away with. She wants all the archives of it erased. And what it turns out is she was one of the production assistants on the filming and the red light bulb that was supposed to go off if she would if the actress was hitting it she unscrews it just enough so that it won't go off and this is why the lady ends up dying is because her light wasn't going off and this is what she's trying to protect it's just a great episode you've got luis guzman yeah. who is trying his best to get the film and keep it keep the film in in place uh you've got kathleen kennedy's character actually terry jones character uh who is just being an absolute evil evil into everyone i mean she fires luis guzman she is she goes raids nick nolte's house the day after he has died yeah after she kills him uh but what's great is nick nolte's character hides the film onto one of his like statues or whatever it was that he was creating this is what charlie ends up trying to do she ends up trying to go in and gets it and like i said it's it's this really weird like when they're doing this award show at the end or this uh, this uh, memorial it's it's lights and lights in motion uh is the name of the company and it is a maquette you were right on that okay i thought it was maquette so when they're doing the lights and when they're they're that lights in motion that evening and they're doing this memorial they work the film footage in and like she is now haunted by this film that nick nolte was working on by himself they're doing this stop motion stuff it's just it's just spooky and creepy and she ends up going off the side of the building just like her husband did and this is how she dies and like i said it was just fantastic it really it it was a fun episode it was one of my higher ones as well yeah like i said and when you when you when i was sitting there watching it i was like this is ryan johnson doing so much so much middle fingering to the uh star wars universe i I, I I, I, I loved it so i wish i had uh known that i may have to go back and watch it so i can laugh all right so that takes us to the next episode which is what is it uh escape (laughs) escape from s mountain yeah escape from crap man we'll call it that uh Interesting episode because this is the first time that Charlie herself is in danger. Uh, yeah. But what's great is we get this opening montage with this thing that they are constantly, you know, this time loop they're basically doing with uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt, who so often plays you just, you know, nice, kind of really nice yeah. guys. Now he's just playing an a hole in this one. And that's. He is horrible just a terrible he, the stuff he's doing to the DoorDash person. i know like that's the that's the first key you get when you realize he's going to be an awful person when he's not tipping the DoorDash person the guy driving in snow to bring <laughs> his little drinks or whatever it was yeah just just a horrible human yeah i said i didn't really know what they were doing with this but because he, he he's obviously not leaving his home so i wasn't sure if they were doing a COVID episode or what it was they were doing turns out the guy's under house arrest because of insider trading and they have this big, huge, blow, this big, huge snowstorm that blows through. And when the big, huge snowstorm blows through, he, his, they aren't able to track his, uh, his, what should we call it, ankle, ankle, ankle bracelet. Uh, so they're not able to track that anymore. So his, his parole officer is calling him, saying, "You better not leave. I'm going to be there first thing in the morning to get this thing back up and running." Uh, and of course, this guy's an a-hole, so he gets in his fancy car and yeah. starts driving like a maniac on snowy roads and oh in, in, in in a blizzard. In a blizzard, exactly. Avoids a deer, and obviously, but then he hits a person. Did you re- think it was going to be Charlie that he hit when you saw this? I, 
I, w- I had a feeling it was Charlie. Yeah, I didn't I have the first clue it was going to be Charlie. Yeah. But. Well, I did. I, I didn't at first. I thought it was going to be Charlie when when we find out where Charlie is. Right. Now that's when. Okay. Yeah. That, maybe that's when I started. But like when he first yeah. hits the person, they don't show him. I'm like, I have no idea who this person is. Um, but she gets. He ends up hitting the person, which we'll later find out is Charlie. They and he goes up to this hotel, this you know, this little roadside inn, who is which is owned by David Castaneda. Uh, if you really make, good, yeah, he's really good in this. If you if you're wondering where you might have seen him from, if you've seen the Umbrella Academy, he plays yeah. in it. And that's kind of like his big star turn, but I think he's been in some other things as well. But he's really good in this, and the, he goes up to him. They end up putting this. They put the body in this hole that they have. That they discover where nobody will ever find it, and that's when they go back in time. And this is when we find meet Stephanie Sue's character. Uh, hilarious who is hilarious. just fantastic in this i mean she is she's a thief she's a druggie she's just fantastic i absolutely loved her character what do you think about her i thought what a scene stealer she was mm-hmm. you know just like constantly stealing everyone's wallet right uh you know even, even when uh charlie was being nice to her she would still steal her wallet right oh yeah he she was I mean, kept stealing it every mm-hmm. top yeah it did not matter it did not matter at all she was going to constantly steal her wallet uh but so they decide to, to work together and uh she's going to get they're going to go out of town i don't remember where they were going but they're basically in denver at this time or they're right outside denver it's in colorado and they're they're on their way and they end up breaking down and this is when charlie has to uh when she when stephanie sue's character goes looking for help charlie gets out and this is when she gets hit and this is when they reveal to the audience that she gets hit and she is basically just hanging on for dear life she pulls herself to the hotel after she has woken up in this tomb basically and starts knocking on the door with what she thinks is a stick and it turns out it's a bone and the bone belongs to this person that joseph gordon's levitt character killed like 20 years prior 10 years prior i don't remember how long it had been but like i said so she's in peril for the first time like in true peril because she can't walk she can't move her she's her legs are broken it was just a, it was a very tense setup for this entire episode. I was gonna say this was like a Stephen King episode. It really was. So I know what I thought when Morty got out of the car. I thought, oh, she's gonna be the one that got hit. Right. That's what I and thought then, too. You know, we don't see her for a while, so I'm like, ah, oh, she got hit. And then you see Charlie get out of the car, and then you see the car coming. And you're like, oh my god, it was Charlie. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You see, it's Charlie. And you're like, oh gosh, she's the one that ends up getting hit. So you're not really sure how she's going to make it out of this. Uh, one of the things that, that's interesting about this as well, I found out this is the first episode they filmed out of all of them. Oh, yeah. I think I heard that too. Yeah, because yeah. the reason they were doing is, the, you know, they needed a snowy background and all this type of stuff for, in where they were shooting. So, and this is what's in, it was snowing at the time when they first began shooting. So, they they realized this is, we got to go ahead and film this one first. So, they go ahead and film this one first. And this kind of gets, it's a very tense episode for it to film, but it also mm-hmm. allowed for natasha leone to understand like the intensity of her character and i think it helps her throughout the rest of the season because she's they filmed this one first yeah i, I definitely could see that like i said felt like a stephen king it really did or a movie or a book or whatever uh but in the end obviously uh what's great about it is you know 
Charlie, I don't know how she escapes that. You know, there was this debate about if she's a superhero or not because she basically gets stabbed right in the middle of the chest by Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character. Uh, but when she is doing this, she ends up getting his ankle bracelet off of his off of his ankle without him knowing it. He makes his way back to his home. He's, you know, victorious after having his calf slid open by Charlie. Uh, but, he, you know, he thinks he's gotten away with it because, because uh, there's nobody who's going to be able to rat on him. And when the doorbell rings, he realizes that his ankle bracelet is not there. And it go, we see it, and then they transition to her holding it in that hidey hole and it going off. And so not only does it take the police to to her but it takes it to it takes the police to the same person that he killed previously his old ex-girlfriend like i said just a fantastic episode and this is where it leads us into uh the finale but i thought it was just a great episode i thought so too yeah like you said really great uh from from david Cassinato and stephanie sue uh just you know really hard for people like that when you when you're dealing with right. you know a couple of heavyweights oh but, yeah they they held their own. And Stephanie Sue, let's be honest. I mean, she's about to be a heavyweight herself. Oh, I mean, absolutely. she's not going to sure. win the best supporting actress this year for the Oscars, uh, yeah. but she is going. I mean, she's yeah. she's going to have quite a bit to say of in her, of her own accord. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting enough, if you're looking on IMDb, the season, the penultimate episode, the one we just talked about, uh, that is the highest rated on uh, IMDb, which oh. I'm a little surprised. I kind of thought the finale might uh, be it, yeah. but anyway, so that takes us to the finale, which is called the hook and if you're wondering why we were talking so much about blues traveler at the beginning of this show it's because the title of this show is taken this episode is taken from the blues traveler song and honestly it's kind of a meta critique on just television and filmmaking in general because let's talk about the the song the hook real quick if you listen to that song and you're not really paying attention to the lyrics it kind of sounds like this romantic interlude to to a, a woman but if you listen to the 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 lyrics it's actually about songwriting is what it's about yeah and yeah. the premise of the song is basically as long as i as long as i like do a couple of nice rhymes i have a couple of really nice you know the beat is sounds good uh everything is working it doesn't matter what in the world i'm singing about you are going to right. love it and that's that yeah, that's yeah. what the lyrics of the song is you i will you will always come back for the hook uh real quick what did you think about this episode in general before we get into it love this episode uh man i love benjamin bright i was yes. glad to see him just get like a big juicy part that he really got yeah to this show is basically off. his episode yeah, 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 yeah. If you, we were doing MVP, he would have stolen this one, mm-hmm. especially him reading the lyrics. Oh yeah, uh, but yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, I'm so excited the the fact that we have Rhea Perlman playing a villain for the next season. Yeah, that's gonna yeah. be great. Oh, that's just that's just delicious. Ron Perlman was fantastic. Clay, uh, Chloe Duvall mm-hmm. was really good as a sister. It was a really really good episode. They found a way to to land the finale and move us and move it further to season two which you know not always the case in shows yeah it's not and what's also great about this episode is the fact that they really subvert expectations for this because mm-hmm. once benjamin bratt finds her and he because they also reveal what the timeline is it's, they they do a little bit but if you're not really paying attention you, you may not catch the fact that this is taking place over the course of an entire year uh but they they do the timeline at the beginning of this montage about where all Benjamin Bratt has been in the course oh, of trying so to change, ch- chase her down. 
And like I said, when you when he catches her and he's bringing her to Atlantic City uh, to meet uh, Sterling Frost Sr., who's played marvelously by Ron Perlman, you expect, you know, she's about to, her life is in danger. She's going to be killed. And it turns out that's not what's going to happen at all. Because while at the beginning of this season, the very first episode, that was definitely Sterling Frost Jr., Sterling Frost Sr.'s intent from the get-go, the more he looked into things, the more that he was trying to, the more he investigated this, he realized, you know what, I, she she didn't do anything wrong. There was, it's... right. There was no, she didn't kill my son. My son killed himself because of his own stupidity. That's the reason why he ends up killing himself. is not because of something necessarily that she did. It's because she tried, he tried to outsmart this really high valuable customer of ours. And she didn't do anything wrong. So I, I actually want to use her. And and like, go ahead. He needed her help. And he needed her help. Exactly. And so, like, when you're sitting there watching, like, oh my gosh, she, she's not about to die in this. And. Yeah. You're like, okay, well, this is kind of interesting, and she like puts it on tape, and like she knows he's not lying to her because right. she can tell if she's if if he's if he's lying, she she knows it, and so he gets her this this present, and we don't know what is in the present, and she pulls out a gun, and like I said, they set this up at the beginning because when she when Benjamin Bratt's character is taking her across the country to get her to Atlantic City, he. He basically tells her to look in the glove compartment because she is confronting him about her him killing her friend, and she puts her hands on the gun, and now his her fingerprints are on the gun, and like I said, we don't know why that gun is in there. The lights go out. Benjamin Bratt ends up killing, uh, ends up killing uh, Ron Perlman's character. And like I said, and then she's on the run again. Uh, after being all this time, she's she thinks she's finally done, and now she's back on the run. And like I said, it's just a great premise and a great setup. And then you find out that oh, Benjamin Bratt is now working for the the competition. Who is we hear her voice, Raya Perlman, uh, who is played by who's playing Beatrix. It's just a great episode. Yeah, and I call her Chloe Duvall. It's Clay Duvall. I'm yeah, sorry. Clay Duvall. Clea, or is it Clea or Clay? I think it's Clea. I don't. Okay, excuse me, Clea Duvall. Yeah, I think it's Clea Duvall. But she is her sister. Uh, older or younger? I think she's the older sister, probably. I think right? she's the older sister, yeah. Yeah. Uh, she goes to her for help. Uh, after <laughs> being what's great is the way that she is, the way that uh, Charlie ends up escaping the 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 hotel is she goes in with this these bridesmaids who are all in these glittery dresses and oh she gets on a, a bachelorette bus. It was hilarious. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. So, uh, But she ends up... She thinks that Benjamin Bratt will help her because she thinks that they're kind of in this together, but she doesn't realize that. And again, this is Benjamin Bratt. He knows that she can tell when he's lying, so he has to kind of think about his answers, redirect her. That part of this is just what's also what makes this episode so great. Yeah. Because uh, you, you, you think he does such a good job. That it makes it look like she can trust him. Yeah, she does, and she trusts him up until the moment that she sees those the black light poker yeah. chips inside mm -hmm. uh, down below on his his deck. Uh, like I said, just a, just a fantastic episode. This is, she ends up getting, uh, like I said a second ago, Simon Helberg's character Luca, the FBI agent, is brought back into this uh, because he is investigating. Because this is a huge deal. The fact that th this is a mob hit, and like I said, yeah. it's, it's a big deal for the FBI. To, so they're going to get involved in this. Uh, but it ends up Benjamin Brad ends up because of the fact that 
he knows what happened and this, he knows that the the Beatrix Hass puts him up to this and that she hires him to this. This is kind of what saves her. And Charlie, once again, thinks she's done. She thinks she, she thinks she can kind of go back into society at this point. But she gets a call from Rhea Perlman. Uh, and it's basically the exact same call she got from yeah. from Ron Perlman at the beginning. And there is no relation between the two, even though they spelled exactly Hilarious. the same. I love, I love. <laughs> uh, like I said, it just makes it for a great setup for the second season. I, I just cannot wait for another season of the show. Me, me too, man. I, I'm really excited. There's no reason. If you look at, like, Columbo, like, he would do a couple of seasons and then he would go away for a while right. and then do them years later. There's no reason she couldn't do this. Yeah, exactly. So if she wants to go, can, can you make some stuff for Netflix or, yeah, or make a movie yeah. or something? She could absolutely do it. So just really good stuff. So, all right. Uh, do we want to do our awards? Yeah, let's do it. All right, here on the Main Attraction Podcast, we give out six awards at the end of a season of a television show. We're going to do them a little bit different since this show is basically very different week from week. Well, instead of doing the actors and giving them the, the actors the awards, what we decided to do for this week... Uh, for the awards for this one is we decided to do our awards for each episode. So let's start with the Rachel, which is is normally the star of the show. Let's just say it's the best episode of the season. What is your Rachel for the first season of Poker Race? Let's go with the pilot. The pilot? Okay, that's a good good one. Uh, I I ended up going with uh, the Orpheus Syndrome. I just thought it was fantastic. Uh, But... Yeah, I could go for it. the the pilot is so critically important just in terms right. of setting everything up. So I can see why you go with that one. Uh, next is the Joey. Just one. It's not your favorite, but it's still one you love. What's the what's your what's your Joey? So look, I'm going to go with the finale on the Joey. Okay, I think I'm going with the finale on the Joey as well. That's called that's one's the hook. So that's the I think that's a pretty good one to go with on that one. Next is the Chandler, the one that makes you laugh the most. Which one made you laugh the most? So that was uh, episode five. What's the name of it? That was uh, the monkey. What time of the monkey? Yeah, I'm yes, going with that yes. one too. That one. Uh, yeah. It was the funniest one in my opinion. Right. Next is the Phoebe, the oddball of normally the oddball of the cast. What's the oddball of this particular season? I'm going with. Let's go uh, escape from S Mountain because yeah. it was the the most different than than the rest of them. Honestly, you know what? I want to switch. I want to put Orpheus Syndrome here, and I want to go ahead and do. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and do. Uh, I want to do the finale for my Rachel. I meant, yeah, the Orpheus Syndrome is what I meant to do for my for, for this one because it it was just so odd and strange. So, but no, yeah, that, Escape that from, is true. Escape from uh, Crab Mountain. That's a good one too. Uh, next is the Monica. Uh, just an important one in terms of the uh, the show. What's your What's your Monica? Man, now that I so I'm going to do the Orpheus here. Okay, you know the Orpheus there. This is yeah, where I'm going. I, Go ahead, because because I think this is one that people will be talking about for a long time. Yeah, I think so too. I think that people have definitely been talking about it for a while. I'm going to go ahead and go with the pilot here, uh, Dead Man's Hand, just because it does set everything up for yeah. the for what's to come. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and go with that one here. Uh, last but not least is the Ross, your least favorite of the season. What you going with? Rest in Metal was mine. Yeah, I think that's my least favorite too. I, I, it's, it was, a, it was a good episode, but it, I think in 
get and if you don't remember which one it is it's the fourth episode when they released all four at one time it was the last one that uh in that uh, group of four but i think you're right on that i think it is the is the least it exit stage death was right there with it uh but i went yeah. to, i went ahead and went with um rest of metal for that one and so. i'm actually surprised looking at the imdb the stall the barbecue one that's one of the lower rated ones i, I know. disagree that i love one that one. fantastic yeah. yeah i love that one i absolutely loved it i thought it was great uh, uh but it's just a good uh, solid overall show and like i said it's so different oh, yeah. from week to week uh it's just you can always come back to this and if there's always if there's one you like in particular you don't have to worry about going and watching a whole bunch of previous ones you can just kind of go back to that one that's one of the great things about this so all right, here on the Main Attraction Podcast, we have a five-tier rating system. At the top of our list is Game of Thrones. Beneath the Game of Thrones is a lost. Middle of the road for us is Friends. Beneath Friends is a full house, and the bottom of the barrel is a Baywatch. What are you giving this show after the first season? Game of Thrones. Yeah. This was this was a show I was looking forward to every week. Right. And that's, that's saying something, because you would think this would not be the kind of show I would be looking forward to. I mean, it's like, it's... A, it's it's not a serialized show, you right. know, but I'm still like, I can't wait to watch it. Well, that's also said a lot to do it because you had said originally when we talked about this, you were going to wait and catch them all at the end. And I did not. I did not watch it a week to week. Yes. That's what, if that's not Game of Thrones, I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah, it's a Game of Thrones for me. Like I said, it's going to be, it's going to be in contention for one of my favorite shows of 2023. It's just so smart and so incredibly yeah. well done. Uh, it's It just checks so many different boxes for me. The, the director is fantastic the way that they filmed this actually on film so they could kind of get that grainy look to it uh i found that out later on so they can kind of get that that slightly dated look to it uh and like just the decision they make and some of the things they do in this as well as just the writing in general are just fantastic i love absolutely loved this show I, i just cannot wait for the second season which i'm guessing will probably be like 2025 i guess probably Somewhere in there. Probably. Yeah, so we mentioned, I, I mentioned to you, who are a few people you'd like to see in season two, like <laughs> guest stars? Yeah, I know. I, I came up with the list. You start with some, because I, I they have well, so many. I had to, I was struggling. <laughs> if we got Rhea Perlman, we got to get her husband, Danny, that, DeVito, that's D- true. Danny DeVito, on here somewhere. That would be good. Uh, I thought of some others. Steven Root. Yeah, he'd be good. Uh, he'd be good. Great, great character actor. Judy Greer, another character yeah, actor. Yeah, she'd be good. Uh, Brian Tyree Henry uh, yeah. from Atlanta, all kinds of shows now. Sam Elliott, I think, would be fantastic. Yeah, he'd be good. Uh, Kathy Bates. Oh, yeah, she'd be fantastic. Jason Manzukas. Oh, Jason Manzukas. <laughs> that would be, I, I don't know that they could control him enough to get him I, on I, this episode. Yeah. Show. Uh, I, I thought of uh, Tony Revolori, you know, uh, Flash from Spider Man. He's a oh, younger. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I think he would be good. And then also. I, I thought of one because they they're using old character actors. Give me a David Keith and Keith David episode. Oh, they're good. in there together. That'd be good. Uh, people that are always confused for each other. Uh, some people that some other people you could put in here. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing a Ted Danson show up. Uh, Ted Danson would be great. Uh, and you, know, you know who else would be? Tony Danza. Tony Danza would be good. That's we the, saw Judith Light. Why yeah. not Tony Danza? Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing him. I wouldn't mind seeing uh, some, some of the people from Friends. I wouldn't mind seeing Ben Schwimmer. Uh, he would probably be really good. David as, Schwimmer. 
David Schwimmer, thank you, David Schwimmer. Uh, he would probably be really good as yeah, like a villain yeah. in this. I could see him doing yeah. that. Uh, I'm trying to think some other people. Topher Grace would be really good as he a villain in this. Good. Yeah, he would be good. I like that. I, I think he'd be fantastic as like a villain in this. Uh, some other people. Kelsey Grammer. Let's put him in here. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, yeah, let's I put, like that. Let's put Kelsey Grammer in there. Uh, let's see. Because I'm trying to think, because they do tend to skew a little bit older on, on these things. So I'm trying to think of like some people like yeah. 40s or are higher yeah. uh lawrence fishburne if they could get him i don't think they could oh that would be great that that, that would be kind of he a big would be good that would be kind of a big ask i think trying to uh, trying to get him to show up on this uh let's see some oh can we get will ferrell <laughs> can we oh get- my god <laughs> yes yes I, I don't know if they could get him but man if they he could would, that would be the ultimate person it really would you talked about someone who could play the villain so well yes mm-hmm. oh Please get Will Ferrell. <laughs> Don't even talk about anyone else. That's where we're at. Will Ferrell. So that would be fantastic if we could get Will Ferrell on this thing. So, All right. Uh, before we sign off for the week, uh, we do want to give some things that we are looking forward to in the weeks ahead. What are some things you're looking forward to? Ted Lasso this week. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Look at, looking forward to that. Um, I, I, I think they're really going to deliver this season. The reviews, I think so, too. Have been good so far. I, you, uh, I didn't know they had some out. Yeah, the, some out? The, the, yeah, they've already put some out with the critics. Okay, they, cool. They've been good. Yeah, uh, I think um, Ghosted, a Anna De Armas, uh, Chris Evans, yes, romantic action movie. Looks yeah, really that looks good. good. Great. It? Comes out April. April 21st on Apple. On Apple, right. I knew that was coming out on and, Apple. And I think that's what romantic comedies are going to start doing these action movies, like you know, The Lost City is true. Mm-hmm. the other ones so uh barry's final season also in april yeah mm-hmm. i didn't yeah. know it was final season but i knew it was coming out yeah final season so looking forward to that uh, uh, the two that I'm including are just case studies, in my opinion, on what trailers should should do, and whenever they're getting ready to make a, a movie trailer. Uh, the first one is No Hard Feelings. Uh, I had never heard of yeah. I had never heard of this film uh, or anything about this film, but the trailer for it it sells this movie so incredibly well there is a moment the first moment yes from the first moment we have cousin richie uh in the in the, yes. I, I don't think he's going to be in this movie very much but he's yeah. at least going to be in it some uh but it's got jennifer lawrence in it and i it uh, i don't think it's going to be a romantic comedy uh but no. it's going to have her like trying to like like get this kid like to lose his virginity so that his parents want to lose his virginity right. so like grow up or something i'm not real sure what the premise is but there well, is a, it looks like he's in his 20s she they want him to want her to him to leave the house yeah and there's the, the there's a scene in this trailer that i have laughed at so hard where the kid is like goes to punch somebody and then when he punches through he ends up punching for lawrence and like i said oh my god yes that i laughed so hard when i saw that scene i was like okay i want to see this movie now and that's what a trailer is supposed to do is it supposed it to look like a fairly brothers movie from yeah. the 90s yeah you're kind of right about that it looks like a fairly brothers movie from the 90s so uh like i said i had no idea that this movie even was going to exist but now i want to see it so uh the other one is look i have not i have been really skeptical about the super mario brothers movie that's coming out on april 5th uh the trailers have been very vague to say the least if you if you go watch them they have not had chris pratt do his voice at all up until this point uh but they released another trailer on march 10th because that is mario day mar one zero uh so it looks kind of like mario uh so they released a new trailer 
And that trailer convinced me. It's like, okay, this is actually probably going to be a pretty good movie. It's going to, there's a, again, there's a scene at the end of that trailer where they're, they're doing kart racing. Do you ever play uh, Super Mario Kart? I've played it before. Yeah. 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 Uh, but in the original Super Mario Kart on uh, Nintendo 64, it is the famous rainbow road that is so incredibly difficult. They're on mm. the rainbow road, and there's this moment in the N64 where you can like fall off the road but land on a different part of it later, uh, like further down the road. And like they do this, they just do that so incredibly well, where they kind of capture that. I'm like, okay, they understood the assignment, so I have much more confidence in that. Now I'm actually looking forward to it. So yeah. I'm hoping my daughter will want to go see it because then I'll have an excuse to go see it. So, there you uh, go. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, anything else you want to share before we? head off i appreciate everyone joining us and we will talk to you next time i would echo those same sentiments and as always until next time may all of your entertainment dreams come true